Good morning, doctors. Here it is, episode 002 of Coffee with Zeb. And today we're going to be talking about building a squad of greatness around you. And I want to apologize, last episode, first episode, um, sounded like I was half asleep when we first got started. But anyway, I'm still figuring this thing out. So if you'll hang in here with me, I don't mind if you listen to it on double time. Um, but I'm excited to bring some stuff today because today uh, I want to tell you a story. So uh, for me, it took, it took me a long time to get into chiropractic college. I'm currently a second quarter student. Um, of course, it's like coming into week eight here. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a heck of a ride so far. But the thing was, I actually moved here from Colorado back in 2018. And at that time, my goal was to get into Life University, but my undergrad wasn't accredited. I had a bunch of issues like trying to get credits brought over and do makeup classes and try to just get accepted into the DC program. And finally, things fell into place so that I could start July of 2020. And as you guys are well aware, July 2020, we were in the midst of COVID like craziness. Things were on lockdown. Schools are doing their best to stay open. So they have to come up with all these crazy procedures. And so there I was. In order to go on campus, I have to um, go get my temperature checked, get a fancy bracelet every day that says I am within allowable temperature range. And I have to wear a mask in classes where I'm not able to maintain social distance. And what they did was they actually did all the classes online. And the only class that I had available was my osteology lab in person. And so um, my osteology lab, I had to, yeah, that was like my only in-person class. And there were only like six or seven of us that were in that class. And so here I am, first year in chiropractic college, trying to start my life over, get a new career. And what did they tell me up front at orientation? You can't do this alone. You got to build a tribe around you. You got to have people around you that are going to support you and, and help share resources. And COVID says, nope, you don't get to. You don't get to meet your peers. Best chance you got is, is what, what, something that happened was kind of serendipitous was uh, our first class Monday morning uh, was an asynchronous lecture. And it was actually a pre-recorded lecture. So instead of getting into the online meeting room, the teacher had pre-recorded all the lectures for us. But... None of us knew that. So all of us being first quarter students, not wanting to be late, we logged in and we were in the chat and we were like, wow, it looks like there's not going to be any class today. Well, hey, we should start a group me. And so we started a group me. And so myself and 70 other students, we started having a group dialogue and we got a, got to kind of get a feel for some of each other. There's a lot of people who don't say anything in the group, so I don't know what they're like. But in that, I was able to pick out a handful of people that I felt like I could contact and stay in touch with and and try and build up this thing. But really, it was hard. It was a hard quarter. I know that for the midterm of the osteology lab, I got a 60% because I just I was totally unprepared, didn't even know how to study for it. Thankfully, for the final, I brought that grade back, um, ended up saving the grade and, and really learning my stuff. Um, but what I want to point out is uh, a couple things. Like really, that first quarter, the thing that I was most thankful for was my motion palpation club. Uh, Motion Palpation Institute has a club on campus that was still meeting in person. Again, physical distancing, uh, making sure there were only a certain amount of people in the club at a time, masks, you know, following all the procedures, being safe, sanitizing the hell out of everything. But it met every Wednesday at 11 in Mod 7. And I got to go in there and I got to get hands on and I got to meet upper quarter students and I got to um, practice palpating, got to start doing what I signed up for when I signed up for the chiropractic program. And I mean, if it wasn't for MPI, man, I don't, I don't know. It would have been such a different experience. And then this quarter, you know, I'm taking the motion palpation class. And it's like, oh yeah, cool. I already know some of this stuff. 
So it was super good. So for those of you that are first quarter, second quarter, who aren't doing clubs right now, I really encourage you to reach out and go do some of the hands-on. I know this quarter, Applied Kinesiology has been supporting that as well. And I also do the Max U, Max Living Club. Um, and that really helps with communication. And that, it, all of those are great opportunities to stay engaged, stay connected, be with your friends. Um, but what I want to tell you about is end of last quarter, it was September, and there was a seminar in Orlando I wanted to go to. It was at the Max Living uh, Network. And so Max Living was doing a seminar called Fearless. Their whole goal, to teach all of their doctors, their doctor's staff, how to help patients go from a state of fear to a state of fearlessness, where they go from feeling like they're a victim of their bodies and of disease to where they can actually have a say in their life and in their health. And what was great about that was I, my paradigm was challenged. And I had to ask myself, was I going to be a victim of the COVID lockdown situation, or was I going to be victorious? In my school experience, was I going to be a consumer of what was given to me, or was I going to be a creator of my experience? And so even there, right at the start of, of seminar, I'm realizing that, okay, I don't have to just be a victim. I don't have to just play the cards that are handed to me. I can make a difference in this game. But the question is, what can I do? I, I'm just a first quarter student. What what can I possibly do to change these things? Um, and that's when uh, we're going to take a quick aside. The next breakout session, there was a seminar, was with uh, Shell Hart, who's the CEO of Max Living. And he's actually a Fortune 500 company CEO that walked away from the corporate business world in order to lead this company. This company has been around for over 20 years. And They've done some really amazing things in their clinics for their doctors with their patients. Really, that's where my first chiropractic experience was, was with one of these max living offices. And it transformed my paradigm, transformed my health, transformed the course of my whole family. So, but anyway, Shellhart, he gets up in front of all the students and he does the maths. And what's cool about Shell is since he's not a chiropractor, he's super principled dude. And he gets it, but he also knows it from a business standpoint. So he's talking to the students. He says, hey, listen, you guys. Here in the next few years, you're going to graduate. And you're going to be a quarter of a million dollars in the hole. $250,000 in the hole between tuition and living expenses. And when you get out of school, you're not going to have all the skills you need to really make money right away. And it could take you your entire career to get ahead financially or to get out of debt. And it's not a good, not a good look. Um, and what's even worse than that is that you're not going to be affecting your community in the way that you deserve to. You're not going to be helping people get the health outcomes they deserve to get with you. And so let's talk about that. And, and he started breaking down the numbers and he started breaking down the money. And for me, money is a big thing. Like I come from, from poor people. My dad's a barber. My mom used to work at grocery stores. We lived off the grid in North Idaho and like money was always tight. And uh, so I've been on a big journey the last few years. And I, I know some of you guys, you maybe take a spiritual approach to money, you know, believing that it's the root of all evil. And, you know, when, when I get out there and I start adjusting, I don't even know if I'll, if I'll charge money for it. Just simply be one of those, you know, I'm going to take care of you, you take care of me um, situations. Or, or maybe you're just going to charge the bare minimum or you want to work at some franchise where people get $20 adjustments, something like that. And what I want to tell you right now is I want to challenge that belief you have about money. Um, 
quick aside about like, what is money? People don't understand what money is. And money is a social construct. Construct. It's a social contract as well. And what it is, is it's basically where you or one person decides to serve another person and the other person wants to serve back. And so like we can take this all the way back to the caveman days. Say I kill a mammoth and so I have mammoth. The thing about mammoth is it's a big animal. I can't possibly eat all of it. Some of it's going to go bad. Then I look at my neighbor, Bob, and I say, Bob, would you like some mammoth? And Bob says, oh, yes, you give me mammoth. I will give you mammoth when I get mammoth. It's like, okay, cool. So I take part of my mammoth. I give it to Bob. And Bob shakes my hand as a social contract to take care of me in the future when I don't have mammoth and he does, when he has extra mammoth. That's a great thing. But here's the thing. I take that handshake and I hold on to it. And things are good for me for the next few months. And maybe I see Dave over there and Dave knows how to make tomahawks, knows how to make arrows, knows how to make something that I need, something that I want. So I say, hey, Dave, Bob owes me mammoth. Can you? Can I have you give me a tomahawk and I will give you Bob's promise of future mammoth? And Dave says, well, Bob has mammoth now and I need mammoth now. So, okay, so I shake his hand, he gives me tomahawk. I go tell Bob, hey, Bob, you now owe Dave Mammoth. And so what I do is I run around and I manage the social contract of good favor. See, I gave Mammoth to Bob, and so Bob wants to give back to me. Like, okay, well, now Dave has given to me, and then I want Bob to give to David. And so we, we circle the whole thing around. So the easiest way to keep track of that is with wampum. I mean, let's let's tap into our native roots here. Um uh, Native Americans, they used to use uh, seashells for money. And all it was, was it was a fiat money system. The shells don't have any value in and of themselves, except for that they represent the good that someone else in the tribe has accomplished. And it is exchanged for more good from other people, for reciprocating good. And so in that idea, what I would like to, to pose is that perhaps there are some of you who don't want to get rich that really should get rich. And there's some of you that want to get rich who really should not because money is not the root of all evil in scripture. It is written that the love of money is a root to all kinds of evil. Or maybe it does use the specific pronoun the that I'm not so specific sure, but I do. I am sure that it says a root, not the root. And it says all kinds of evil. So suffice it to say that if you're a good, honest person that really just wants to help other people, God, I hope you get rich. I hope that you are helping so many humans at such a high level that they cannot help but just shake your hand all day long, enter into social contracts with you all, all day long, handing you the wampum, handing you the, the paper contract that says this piece of paper is worth hundreds of dollars. Please make sure that Dr. So-and-so is taken care of in the future because of how he is taking care of me in the present. Um, and there are others of you that just want to get rich. Maybe you had a chiropractor with a nice nice boat, nice house. And you said, yeah, I could dig that. And to hell with medical school, that's too much work. Um, if that's you, I hope that you change your paradigm. And I hope you realize what a gift you have to give to humanity. And that really, you should take care of others. And the money will take care of itself. And if you don't realize that, I hope you're poor forever. I mean, let me just say it. Like, really, those those who are not going to receive money out of fair exchange as a contract for having actually done good for other people, they don't deserve to have money. But 
See, this is where, where Jesus and Bill Walsh have a lot in common. Bill Walsh was uh, the captain of the 49ers, or uh, the not captain, president, uh, coach. He was the coach of the 49ers. And what he did was he had this philosophy when he coached. He said, hey, listen, you simply focus on what's essential and the score will take care of itself. And like you just move the ball downfield, the score will take care of itself. And if you focus more on the work that you're supposed to be doing, then the score will add up on its own. And so that's what Jesus is saying when he says, you know, do not be a lover of money. You cannot love money and God. What he's saying is there are people who are hung up on the score, who are hung up on capturing uh, other people's social contracts, and they are not hung up on being of outstanding service to other people. And so that, that, that's the contract that we enter into when we're in school. I go to school and I say to the government, hey, government, I need to borrow money so that I can learn a skill that is super valuable to our country. Government, will you loan me this money and ha in exchange for me paying it all back plus interest and being a contributing member of society? And government says, yes, that seems like a good deal. I will loan you buku bucks and you will pay it all back with interest and you will also be a contributing member of society. It's like, okay, cool. So even if we don't become a contributing member of society, the government gets their money back plus interest. So it's a, it's a deal, a good deal for them. But for us, what we should do is we should be responsible trustees of the people's money. Because remember, the government doesn't have any money that it didn't receive from the citizens of this country. And so the citizens pool their money in the government so the government can make sure that the country moves forward. And so the country does that by investing in people like you. And when they invest in you, they expect you to make a return on their investment. And so for you becoming a chiropractor, you should seek to become rich because you need to pay back the government so that the people can continue to receive returns on their investments. And you also need to make sure that you are the highest level contributing member of your society. Like in your community, you should be famous, not because you want to be famous, but because people can't stop talking about what you have done for them. Does that make sense? And so trust me on this, like with the money situation, um, and I'm looking at him like, man, I want to be a rich chiropractor and I want to pay off my debts. I want to have a positive net worth. I want to get ahead when I get out of school. A big part of it is because I want to be such a servant of, of God and of my family and of the people around me. But I'm also afraid. Like I've got the carrot and the stick going on here. Um, because on the one hand, there's this like really appealing outcome that I want, having this huge clinic people coming in, getting transformative stories, changing the face of my community from a face of disease to a face of health and longevity and power where people are able to go out and live out their God-given potential on this planet, live out their purpose, not having it cut short because of disease, not having it below 100% because of disease, but really at their, their full potential. That's the positive thing. The stick is that I'm afraid of living a life below my potential. I'm afraid of graduating from college and then having to live like a starving college student because I don't know how to adjust and I don't know how to get new patients and I don't know how to convert new patients. I don't want to be that kind of doctor. What I want to be is the kind of doctor that transforms a community. Don't mind the dog. The dog's starting to be a bit of a whiner. Here in my home studio, I've got um, my dogs, my kids, my whole household. So um, yeah, apologize for the quality there. But anyway, I don't want to be that kind of doctor. I want to be a doctor that transforms lives. But here's the reality, folks. When most students of chiropractic cross that stage and they receive their diploma, they were hoping that that diploma would be a magic piece of paper 
that gave them the ability to be an amazing doctor worth six figures a year. And then the harsh reality sits in that nobody wants to hire them until they've gotten their license. Okay, well, maybe when I get my license, I'll be that kind of doctor. And they keep pushing their greatness out. And they go to apply for these jobs and nobody wants to hire them as an associate. Nobody wants them to come into their clinic as an IC because they they don't have what it takes. And they're maybe worth like 40,000 a year. And I don't know about you, but for me, living on 30 or $40,000 a year is unacceptable for someone who has just dropped a quarter of a million dollars to become the most capable member of society. So here's the thing, major pitfalls people have. They get out of school, they're terrible adjusters, they don't know how to talk, how to get new patients, they don't know how to convert new patients, and they don't know how to keep new patients, okay? they Basically, it boils down to, can you use your hands? Do you know the philosophy? Are you good enough with the science to actually move people to act? And the only way that you're going to get good at that before you graduate is if you start now. You should start now. I don't care if you're 13th quarter or if you're third quarter or, or if you're like just getting ready to start your first quarter. What I want you to do is consider that you are what you habitually do. And that's worth repeating. That's worth tweeting. That's, that's quotable right there. You are what you habitually do. So if every day you sleep in and you hit snooze on your alarm clock, you're a liar. Because you habitually set an alarm saying, I'm going to get up at this time. And then you tell your brain, actually, I changed my mind. It makes you a liar. You make a promise and then you break that promise. And if you break enough promises to yourself, you lose street cred with yourself. And so what you need to do is start being a promise keeper. Start being the kind of person who says they're going to do something and follows through on it. Tomorrow, I will work out. Tomorrow, you're going to work out. Tomorrow, I will have a salad. You're going to have to have a salad. I'm going to start eating salads every day for lunch then you had better be the person. If you said it, then you better do it. And it's been written, you know, like don't, don't make promises. Like let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. Don't be the kind of person who says yes, but means no, who says no, but actually says, well, I guess after all, that's fine. You've got to start keeping promises to yourself. But what I want to want you to consider is it's bigger than that, that you can actually schedule greatness into your week. And I know last episode I was talking about this idea of the great doctor squad, but I cut myself off because I didn't know how much recording time I'd have. And uh, yeah, anyway, I'm figuring this thing out as we go, you know, but what I do know is that I have information that is valuable to you right now. And what I want to tell you is another story about what, what was continued to be taught at that Max Living seminar. And Cameron Maynard, he's a great doctor. I really respect. He, he said, what you should do now is start acting like you're graduated. Start acting by creating your own clinic. And when you create a clinic, what do you need to do? You need to screen new patients, close new patients, and take care of new patients, right? And what he wasn't saying was that you should be practicing chiropractic without a license. He wasn't saying that. What he was saying is start doing something that's homologous, that's similar, that is a, a mirror image of the things you will be doing in practice so that you are good at it by the time you graduate. And so the ways he recommended to do that, uh, be a, a club president, go find a club on campus, become president and close people to the club, market people to the club, close them to the club, and then serve them in the club and lead a leadership team, do that sort of thing. Or alternatively, start your own club. And that idea stuck out to me. Because you remember earlier, I was talking about how do I not become the victim, but remain victorious? How do I move from consumer to creator. Well, the thing about creators is they create things for other people to consume. 
And it occurred to me that what I wanted, I was capable of manifesting in my own life. And so I'll tell you what I did this quarter. Week one, I started a club. And I call it the Great Doctor Squad. And my goal for the Great Doctor Squad is that it becomes the biggest not club on campus. And I'll tell you what I mean by not club. Uh, a club is a place that meets in a specific location at a specific time, has a specific hierarchy, and uh, has a, a club counselor from a teacher. You know, teacher comes in and supervises everything. And they only do one thing. Like the Applied Kinesiology Club, all they do is Applied Kinesiology. MPI, MPI. T the Torque Release Technique Club, that's all they do. Gonstead, all they do is Gonstead. What I want is a not club. It's a group of people that meet in different places at different times with no specific head leader. And they work on whatever they feel they need to work on. It's, it's kind of like, I don't know, it reminds me of uh, Pirates, the old Disney series, or well, movie, well, yeah, Pirates 1, Pirates 2, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, each ship is its own little democratic island that figures out its own way to handle things. I think it's Pirates 3, where they actually all come together to, to fight the British. Um, but what you notice is each ship is weird. Like they have their own niche, their own flavor, their own colors, their own um, styles, and their own way of fighting. But what they do is they all band together and they are all moving in the same direction to protect their legacy moving forward. And that's what I think chiropractic needs to do as a whole, really. Like if you are if you open a clinic in a town and you're super into Gonstead and down the street, there's a guy who only does applied kinesiology, you should make friends with him and respect him for who he is because he's a chiropractor. You know what you can trust him to do if a patient moves from your clinic to him? They're not going to get that patient under surgery or, or injured or, or on some medication that's going to detract years of life from them. What they're going to do is they're going to do their very best to remove subluxation, remove interference. Okay. And you got to trust them to run their ship their way, but at least we can band together and support each other. Find what you have in common. Sorry. I just want to go off on all these tangents, but I'll tell you what, like the biggest not club I want to have is a club where we have squads all over. Like there's, there's a group of a dozen students that meet over at Dave's house on Friday nights at six. And you know what they do? They uh, practice adjusting for the first hour and the second hour, they just play beer pong. I'm fine with that. That's fine. Like work hard, play hard. Right. And then there's another one that meets over at Sarah's house on Wednesday nights at 4 PM. And what do they do? They talk philosophy, 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 and they practice upper cervical techniques. Like, okay, that's fine. Do it your way. At my house, what we do is we meet on Tuesday nights at five and we talk philosophy, philosophy. Uh, we practice community. We actually open by practicing communication. And then I talk a like life skill thing because I'm 31 years old and I've learned a few life skills that not everybody has. Um, and then what do we do for the second hour? We get hands on and we, we practice what we've learned and we, we try things out and we try uh, like, hey, do you feel how the springiness in that joint? Hey, have you muscle tested this? You know, we try all those different things out so that we can get some reps in so we can get some comfort. And uh, there's some really cool things. And so for you, wherever you're at, I want to invite you, encourage you, challenge you to start your own because COVID's got us all in lockdown. And you know what? Maybe, you know, every couple of weeks you get to hang out with someone and maybe do a couple things here, a couple things there. You have a study group that meets informally there, but what you're not getting is momentum. You're not getting reps. And, and what's been cool for me to see is that this group of people, I got about a dozen people in my group me and I just started a group me. I titled it the great doctor squad not fancy. It's just like, Hey, that's what we want to be. We are all going to be doctors and we want to be great. 
and there's a squad of us, which is like six to 12, you know, half a dozen to a dozen. And what we do is we meet every week at a specific time in a specific place. Those things are constant. If you want to have good group process, you have to have consistency. The first piece of consistency is a consistent day and time and location that you meet. And it doesn't matter if only one other person is able to show up or if you're going to have all 12. Or if you're going to have 30, they're going to pack out the building so that there's no room for everybody. What you do is you keep consistency. Consistency is key. And so even over the past seven weeks, I've had somewhere between like three people show up and gosh, how many did we have that one night? I think we had like 11 people show up, which was great. Um, standing room only, you know, in my little apartment. And it's like, well, where else are we going to have it, you know? And what we need to do is... Um, have some kind of structure like, Hey guys, we're getting together because of this. So we're going to do this. And so in my group, I'll tell you how we started. We say, Hey guys, there are three fundamental things that people are getting wrong. Firstly, they're not getting quality mentorship because they don't know how to maintain mentorships. Secondly, they are not balancing academia and entrepreneurship. And thirdly, they are not, Oh gosh, what's the third thing? They are not Oh my gosh. I say this every week and I can't remember it. Um, man, this is going to bug me. Anyway, I need to move on because I can't remember what the third thing is. Um, for those of you that are in my squad listening to this, like you're probably shouting it out at me right now. Um, I wish I could just channel that energy before you listen to this. But anyway, um, that'd be weird metaphysical. So here's what we do. First, we start talking because if I need to learn how to talk to patients, I should start by talking to my peers and have them tear me apart. If I'm going to try and give an analogy of what a subluxation is, I need to speak in such a way that a child or a trucker or a stay-at-home mom or a grocer or a uh, aerospace engineer or someone who is not a chiropractor can understand. And as I continue to go through school, I'm also going to need to come up with, hey, this is how I explain it to cardiologists and uh, ophthalmologists and op obstetricians and pediatricians and like everything. Like you got to figure out how to speak the science and how to speak the simple, you know? So that's what we start with. Share your analogy. And we go around the room. You share it. Okay. You share it. You share it. All right. Everybody, how do you think they did? What did they do well? What did they do poorly? What can they do better next time? And we try to sharpen each other's communication skills. And then I talk for a little bit. Now that's because I have a ton of life experience. You Maybe you don't know what you're going to share or you don't feel comfortable uh, teaching the group something. You know what you should do throughout the week? Find a 10-minute video, a YouTube video on making your life better, whether it's about um, keeping a schedule, um, even share, just share my podcast, you know, because I'm so awesome. I mean, shameless plug there. I mean, I apologize, you guys. I, uh, I feel like I have a lot to offer, but I also am humble enough to realize that I don't have this figured out. I just feel like maybe I'm a half a step ahead. And if I have something valuable, I want to share it so that you can catch up and pass me. My my, What I would love to see is for people that heard my podcast would say uh, a year from now, like, hey, Zeb, um, I'm so grateful that I got to hear fill in the blank thing. And I took action on that. And that led me to follow all these other people that are way better than you. And now I'm way better than you. That would be super cool. Like, hey, I got to be part of your story so that you went to the highest level. That's what I want to see. I want to see everyone achieve their God-given potential on this planet. But uh, so that's what we do. We start off practice communicating and then share something of value, whether it's a YouTube video or something that you learned, some technique that's going to help people do better in school. And then shut up and break out the tables. And you get your adjusting tables out. And I'm not saying adjust. You know, you're under six quarter. You're not being supervised, all that stuff. 
Um, I leave that to you to make your own adult decisions about how you're going to treat your body and the bodies of your peers. Um, but what I would say is that you should at least practice palpation. Feel what a stuck SI joint feels like. Invite an upper quarter student to come down and show you guys how to how to actually palpate the thoracic spine. And uh, if you guys need help with any of this, you can always reach out to me. I'm going to drop my email in the in the description here. It's zebsmith at protonmail.com. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, protonmail, shameless plug for them. They are a super secure email provider that's not a part of the Silicon Valley giants. So uh, zebsmith at protonmail.com. Um, but I want you guys to realize that since I've started doing this great doctor squad, it's been so good for my, my mental and emotional health. I know in COVID with lockdown, like not everybody's going to hang out with each other, but my squad feels powered up. They tell me every week, they say, yeah, I ride this wave all week long and I can't wait to get back next week. And I also know that I'm more confident in my hands. Like I am more confident in the fact like, yeah, that feels stuck. Mm, that is what edema feels like. That's what hypertonicity feels like. Oh, this is how you would set up for that. And I know there are some people in my group, um, this is the first time they've ever gotten to touch another human being from a doctor's perspective. And like, they love it. They're so grateful for it. And I want that for you guys. And uh, what's really cool is I'm going to be taking some people to seminar in February because they've been engaging with this group and they're realizing that there is more out there. They don't have to be the graduate who can't talk, can't adjust, and can't keep patience. No, they can be the person who comes out of the gate swinging, the person who is worth $120,000 on the day of their graduation, whether they decide to open their own clinic or they decide to work with someone else who says, hey, I love what you're doing. Let me take you under my wing and let's go to the moon together. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, it just occurred to me that that could be a real thing with, with people in space travel and space force, all that. It's like, all right, who's going to be the first chiropractor on Mars? You know what be cool? Here's a tangent, all right? You know what would be awesome is if when the first ship goes to colonize Mars, the chief medical officer is a chiropractor. I'm not saying like, oh my gosh, someone who doesn't do medicine doesn't know how to do emergency procedures. What I'm saying is someone who has the philosophy that God doesn't make junk, that the body is designed to be self-healing, self-developing, self-maintaining. And if they can teach the people who go to Mars how to be healthy, how to live a balanced lifestyle, how to eat, move, and play right, that could really take Mars colonization to the next level, right? So anyway, you could we could do Mars like we should have done Earth. Um, anyway, that leads us into all sorts of utopian and dystopian narratives that could be created. So we'll just leave that alone for now. Um, but yeah, you guys, this is this is your call to action. What I want you to do this week is start to scheme and dream about what your great doctor squad could look like. Who would you invite to it? I want you to write down uh, 20 names. Write down 20 names. Because if you write down 20 names, you're going to be able to get in touch with about 12 of them. And if you get in touch with 12 of them, about eight of them will say yes. And of the eight that say yes, maybe five or six will actually get to your house on that night. And what you do is you write down that list of names. And then I want you to pick a night that works for you. Pick a night that makes sense to you. Um, sorry, I need to get some water here. <coughs> Getting dehydrated. Talking, 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 not drinking, and actually just having coffee, which dries out my throat anyway. Yay, coffee was ebb. Uh, but what I want you to do is pick a night that works for you. This, I mean, you could list these bullet points. List 20 people, pick a night that works for you. 
a day and time. It could be a morning, like Sunday morning, if you want it for all I care. But you say, hey, this is the time and this is the place that we're going to do this every week. And I don't care if anyone comes, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to have my speeder board out and I'm going to practice technique. And if anyone else wants to get in on that, join me. And so then you take your 20 people and reach out to them, say, hey, I'm pulling together this group of people who want to become great, who want to be excellent doctors in the future. And we're going to spend an articulated time getting hands-on practice, but we're also going to talk philosophy a little bit. And yeah, our whole goal is to achieve greatness. Are you in? Can I put you in that group chat? And people will say, that sounds awesome. Sure. And so then you add them to the group chat and don't, don't get upset because there's that one really attractive person that you thought for sure would be part of your group that just have no ego about it. Okay. Cause what do you want to do with this group? You want to achieve greatness. And the thing about greatness is greatness is attractive to some and repulsive to others. That's okay. So what you need to do is just reach out to those people and tell them, this is the day, this is the time. And once you create a group chat and you've got a half dozen people in there, you tell them when. And as the day is coming, go ahead and pop the video in there and say, hey guys, I'm so excited. Like I'm shaking with excitement. I'm actually, I might throw up. I, I'm actually really anxious because my house is super messy and my dogs are super uh, <laughs> intrusive. And I don't know if you guys are going to like it, but I'm, I'm excited to get some hands-on practice and actually work with other chiropractors on what we're going to be doing for the rest of our lives. And you drop that in there like two days before you actually have your event. And the day of your event, you drop a little poll in there. GroupMe has that function. You drop a poll in there, make sure it's visible to everybody. They can vote multiple times and just put like, hey, should I save you a seat at such and such day's great doctor squad meeting? Question mark. Vote yes or no. And then they're just going to drop in. They're going to quickly vote yes or no. Or maybe they'll like that message that tells you that they're in. Um, just get a quick head count. Bring some LaCroix or some Zevia, some light snacks, not big snacks. You know, don't don't order a pizza or anything. Um, and just welcome people into your home. Make sure you're attentive and, and you help everyone find your apartment because you're in some crazy apartment building that they've never been to. And uh, get them in there. Get everyone sitting around and say, hey. Guys, I'm so excited and I'm so nervous. I've never done anything like this. And I'm sure none of you, any of you have either, but this is going to be awesome. So first off, let me tell you why we're doing this and tell them why you're doing it. Tell them what you want to see and say, so what I want to do is watch this quick YouTube video that I thought was really awesome from a great principled chiropractor. And then after that, you just ask them, what'd you guys think of that? And shut up, let them talk a little bit. Then you add a couple things, say, all right. That was really cool. I'm really glad that we listened to that. Who wants to get hands-on? And you get hands-on. You get the table out and start practicing what you know. And what's cool about that is you say, hey, um, Joey, why don't you lay down? All right, Garrett, come over here and watch. This is what I'm doing. Here's what I think. It's like, hey, does anyone know how to, how to palpate this? Does anyone know how to muscle test? Okay, will you teach me that? Here, Sarah, come lay down teach, and let Joey show me how to do this. Um, and just have those conversations and just invite people and start doing it. and be the person who lays down and says, yeah, why don't you try this on me? Try that on me. And, and you be the guinea pig, you know, try and get people acting. Um, other side note, something you might want to do is based on the head count you're getting for that night is ask someone to bring a table. Um, Cause if you only have one table and 12 people standing around it. That's not going to be as fun as if you had six tables um, or even like three tables with only four people standing around it, you know? So yeah, that's your challenge, guys. Go write down 20 names, pick a day and night, invite people, and make it happen. And commit to consistency. Say, hey, we're going to do this every week. I don't care if it's midterms. I don't care if it's finals. We're going to do this 
every week at my house. If one person shows up, I will work with them and we will get better together. And if you do that, then you'll have a squad of people around you. And here's, here's the long game that I'm thinking about. Because you know what happens when you get out of school? You go into practice and you're all alone. Sure, maybe you're working with someone who's older who's there, but they haven't been with you for the past three and a half, four years. They don't know you deeply like these people do. So you know what's great? They're still having that group chat and still being able to direct message those people and say, hey, um, Garrett, here's where I'm at in practice, man. I feel really stuck. I don't know how to handle this case. Can you help me? Can I get on a call with you? I'm really depressed about this. I'm really encouraged about this. I want to celebrate this. Garrett, I just adjusted this person such and such. Like, hey, Dylan, I, I just realized that this goes with this. Have you ever tried that before? And, and you can maintain this collaboration with your peers. And you know what you can do? Every year, make sure you take a time and you get together. Go do a vacation together. Because these are going to be your peers, your peers for the rest of your lives. So invest in them now. Start building those relationships now. And helping them to be great now means that you can all be great in the future. So, um, yeah, it just it reminds me of, of a sad story in this area where there was a doctor who all, all of his friends are chiropractors. And he had some struggles and things weren't going so well. And things didn't end up so, so well for him. But it's friends that make all the difference. Being able to reach out to those people when you feel like you're at the end of your rope and you feel like you've got nowhere to turn, but they can talk to you, talk to you off that ledge and tell you, hey, it's going to be okay. We've all had those hard times in practice. We've all had board complaints. We've all had that patient that quit care. We've all had that person that, that died when they were under our care because there was nothing else we could do for them. And I'm here to tell you that the sun will rise again tomorrow and that God will use your hands to bless someone else tomorrow and that you can be the most amazing human being that your community has ever seen and that people will be blessed by you staying in the game. So stay in the game, stay in the game. I wish you guys all well, blessings on you. Um, go and practice greatness today. That's what I want for you. Go practice greatness. You have your marching orders, take action. Remember, you can always shoot me an email, zebsmith at protonmail.com. I look forward to talking to you guys and working with you guys and being peers with you in the future.